Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 8.06. Busy, busy day. Trade deadline. You can get all the trades on 630Ched.com. The Oilers news, of course. Patrick Maroon acquired from the Anaheim Ducks. The Oilers give up a fourth-round pick and Martin Gurnat. They uh, signed contract extensions with Laurent Brassois and Brandon Davidson two years each. They'll kick in for next season. And they claim Adam Cracknell and Adam Party off waivers. Cracknell from the Canucks, Party from the Winnipeg Jets. And a guy who has seen him play a lot. CGOB Sports Director, our sister station in Winnipeg, is Kelly Moore. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I am well, sir. I am well. It's a little cold here in Winnipeg, but then everybody in Edmonton knows what winter's all about. So stop whining now. We, well, we had a bit of a fake winter. This, this year uh, in Edmonton, cooler the last couple of days. We've been pretty lucky this winter, though. Yeah, no, I, well, it, it's especially colder in February and as you're heading into March when you know that the middle of April will continue on without your team. Well, yeah, that's what it's going to be in maybe every Canadian city, but certainly the Oilers and the Jets here uh, uh, not in position for a playoff spot. As the trade deadline has come and gone. Now a transaction involving our two teams though not a trade. Adam Party picked up off waivers from the Winnipeg Jets. I mean Party hasn't played this year. Just tell us a little bit about his season and what Oilers fans might be able to expect over the final 18 games from him. Well he only got into I think it was something like 14 games Reed and a lot of that just had to do with circumstance. Uh, He was there as a depth defenseman but it turned out to be one of those years where nobody got injured uh, up until that uh, game uh, uh, earlier in this month when Mark Stewart blocked that shot with his right hand. I think you might remember that. Uh, it was up at Edmonton on the Saturday night, the 2-1 shootout victory, played the rest of the game, but then they found out the hand was broken the next day. So that's finally when a spot opened up for either Adam Party or Paul Postma, the seventh and eighth defenseman on the depth chart, to finally get to see a little bit of action. But up until then, the top six defenders had stayed healthy and nobody's play had deteriorated to the point where Adam Party was getting at least a chance to do what he could do. But you know what? Uh, I'll tell you this, Reed. Adam Party is a class guy. And I know you hear that about a, a lot of NHL players. But I'll go back to a year ago, uh, where I guess it was a couple of years ago now, where that you-know-what of a fan ripped his helmet off in Chicago, a lot of players would have gone ballistic. Adam Party kept his cool and prevented that situation from becoming something that could have been very serious. So uh, if if that's all we remember him for, so be it. But, you know, he scored a goal in the playoffs last year for the Jets against Anaheim, and they didn't have much offense going. Uh, He's a guy that brings a lot of experience to the table, and one of his assets is, believe it or not, with the NHL, with the Winnipeg Jets, penalty killing being as bad as it is in the NHL, but Adam Party, one of his fortes is penalty killing. Well, which is interesting, the Oilers had him with, with Eric Griba out of the lineup here for probably at least a couple more weeks because Griba had been helping on the PK. Party, uh, you know, he's listed at 6'4", 220, but we know, Kelly, there is physically being big and then there is playing big. How does he fit the bill there? 
I'd say somewhere in between. I wouldn't call him a crusher like Dustin Bufflin, but then how many players in the National Hockey League are? But, you know, Adam will get involved physically. I don't think there's any issue there whatsoever. You know, one of the things I hope he gets the chance to do at Edmonton Reed is the party dangle. I don't know if you guys uh, have, have heard uh, some of your Winnipeg counterparts talking about that, but uh, Adam's not afraid to toe drag the puck every once in a while, so watch for that. Okay, well, yeah, man, that's going to be fun. Uh, Kelly Moore joining us, sports director at CJOB in Winnipeg as uh, the Oilers pick up Adam Party off waivers from the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets are uh, quiet today, but uh, clearly the headline a few days ago as they unloaded uh, Andrew Ladd going to the Chicago Blackhawks, a couple of farmhands, uh, farmhands going the other way as well, and, and the Jets uh, getting a prospect and some draft picks maybe they can build with down the road. Tell us a little bit about the, the lad deal, you know, maybe when you sensed it might be inevitable and, and how it's been received by the fans. Well, it, it, it pretty much became a fait accompli after they signed Dustin Bufflin to the long-term contract. Reed, I think everybody uh, that uh, was going to watch that situation was well aware of that. And uh, even Kevin shoveled me off and Andrew Ladd after the fact both admitted that once they made that kind of a commitment to Buffalo, and it was going to be hard to free up the kind of dollars and the term that Andrew Ladd wanted because of what they have to deal with, with restricted free agents like Mark Shifley, like Jacob Truba, like Adam Lowry. And all of a sudden, Joel Armia is starting to come along, and he's an RFA at the end of this season. So it's going to take them some, some of their cap space to keep all those guys happy, and they just didn't see the ability to be able to pay Andrew Ladd what he was looking for and be able to satisfy the RFAs and be able to continue to, uh, forward to where they want to go. So it was purely a business decision and nothing else. Uh, the, the, the hockey club and Andrew Ladd parted on good terms. As a matter of fact, uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff said afterwards that he wouldn't necessarily close the door on Andrew Ladd if you know, come July the 1st, all of a sudden the market is not what Andrew Ladd and his agents think it will be. Uh, but obviously if the Chicago Blackhawks go on a long run and Andrew Ladd's able to play a valuable part in that, then uh, uh, his services uh, uh, will certainly uh, uh, become a lot more keener to the eye of uh, prospective beholders. But as far as the uh, other players were concerned, Jay Harrison, a veteran defenseman, been out of the lineup since January. Reed. He suffered a concussion down in Stockton and hasn't been playing since, but he was being paid a National Hockey League salary at the AHL level. Matt Fraser, who I know Edmonton other fans will be uh, certainly uh, uh, familiar with, he was the other player involved in a deal. Good, solid veteran forward at the minor league level and might be the kind of a guy that, if you go deep in the playoffs, might be able to step in for a game or two and help you if the situation presents itself. And then on the other end, uh, the Jets were able to pick up Marco Dano, who is a Columbus first-round pick late in the 2013 draft. And, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, guys that are big and guys that are play, that play big. Well, even though Dano is not that big, he's listed at 5'11", standing on a couple of phone books. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's, he's really solidly built in his lower end. So that helps them play in the hard-to-play-in areas, down in the corners, battling for bucks and that sort of thing. So they'll see how he pans out. And then they get you know, a, a late first-round pick as well as a third-round choice in 2018 if the Chicago Blackhawks wind up repeating a Stanley Cup champion. So it's a way before that uh, third-round pick even has a chance to blossom. But you know, with what the Jets have been able to do at the draft table, 
in their first five years, Reed, uh, that first-round pick for Chicago, even though it might be of the late variety, it still could turn out to be a good player. All right, and before I let you go, in terms of the Jets being quiet today, uh, I mean, I know for the Oilers, with, with some of the bigger names, it's been, it'll be in the summer, it'll be in the summer. We don't know where they're going to draft. I mean, if, if the lottery were held today, the Jets would be anywhere between first and sixth. So, I mean, that could change your, your the fortunes of your franchise quite a bit, depending on where you might land after, after the lottery. Is there more to come with this team around the draft than around free agency when it comes to trades? Well, I would suggest to you, Reed, that uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg will be competing hard for Travis Hamannick of the New York Islanders come July the 1st. I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, maybe even Minnesota will all be going hard after. So it'll be interesting what develops there. And then if you pick up a Hamannick, you know, then what do you start to look for on your blue line? Do you try to talk Toby Enstrom in his, out of his no-movement clause and find out the teams that he's willing to go to and see if you can make maybe make a deal there. I know there's a lot of talk about the Jets being interested in seeing what they could get for Jacob Truba, but, boy, I find that hard to believe, you know, that they'd be willing to part with that kind of an asset. So yeah. uh, I don't think they're done yet. But, you know, even today, Kevin Shoveldayoff was maintaining the, you know, the only way you can get to the promised land is to take the long, hard path to get there. And I would imagine Edmonton Oilers fans are about as sick of hearing that as Winnipeg Jet fans are. Yeah, path a little too long. That's that's for sure. We'll see if they uh, they can jump ahead uh, next year. We're, we're in that uh, territory already, unfortunately. Kelly, thanks so much for uh, giving us some perspective on party. And uh, I, I know the Jets are kind of, uh, I think, a lot of people's second favorite team ever since they moved back to, to Winnipeg. So thanks for the update on where they're at. You bet, Reed. Let me, let me know what you think when you see the first party dangle. All right, I will. The party dangle. Well, I look forward to that. DB has his own scouting report of Adam Party. He says, Party's not a crusher, but he can battle in a cycle and keep the crease clear. Nothing wrong with that. And Yakushev, Yakushev's a beauty texture, by the way. He says, Cracknell career plus minus, minus two. Party career plus minus, plus 12. Justin Schultz, career plus minus, minus 78. Nikita Nikitin given a $4.5 million per year contract by an inept management. I don't believe players change all of a sudden when they go to a different team, but maybe one of these two new defensemen are worth a chance to help keep a few pucks out of the net. Uh, they also might help to mentor some of the younger D. Well, Cracknell a forward, but I know, I know where you're getting at uh, with the plus minus for sure. And... It's clear what Peter Shirelli wants. He wants bigger guys who can play a harder game, who can be physical, who can protect pucks, who can kill cycles if you're a defenseman. Uh, I think he wants to complement the skill that is on the team with guys who can get the puck for those skill players and maybe give them a little more room to operate or more time to operate in the offensive zone. I think that is what Peter Shirelli is after. We got some time for some phone calls, 780-496-0063, text 630-630. Busy day for the Oilers. You can get the full rundown on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Ched. Twenty-one. 
Philadelphia 4-1 on the Flames. Eight minutes into the third period. Braden Shen has a hat trick. The Rangers beat the Blue Jackets 2-1. Hornquist, hat trick for the Penguins, 6-0 over Arizona. The Lightning edge the Maple Leafs 2-1. Tyler Johnson, both goals for Tampa Bay. The Red Wings and the Stars, 1-1 after two. Still to come, the Canadians and the Sharks. The Oil Kings lost this afternoon 4-1 to the Victoria Royals. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Ryan standing by. Good evening, Ryan. Thanks for calling. Hey, I just uh, wanted to say that I was really excited to see Justin Schultz move at the deadline. Uh, not so excited that they didn't move Yakupov, though. Why is that? Uh, I just find, like, he was the first overall pick, and he hasn't exactly performed, and I think maybe we could get a little bit for him since, you know, he is the first overall pick, and maybe... Maybe at the draft they'll move him, but I think this year it's probably his last year as an Oiler. It could be. Yeah, it could be. You know, uh, Ryan, I assume you listen to this show and other sports radio talk shows, so you know that the Yakupov debate is a very uh, divisive one. So you know what you've just set off, right? <laughs> yeah, I know what I've set off. Um, I also, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, they, they call them the $6 million guys, but I'm really glad to see that they didn't move any of those guys. I think Yakupov and Eberle, there is, Gretzky and Curry, like, flashbacks there. I just want to put that out there, get it started. But, you know, it's just, I think you can't move Everly now. I know there was, people were talking about it, but you can't move him now. Well, what did you think of the moves that did happen today? Encouraged, discouraged? Do you think there's going to be an impact? I mean, Maroon's the one guy who's going to be here. I'm not so sure about Party and Cracknell going forward. I think Maroon's a great guy. I saw him last year, like, in the playoffs when he played with Getzlaff and Terry. I think, you know, He's a big guy, and you almost you almost need somebody like that. I'm not going to say put him on a line with um, McDavid, but, you know, he he could be that guy you put him, because, you know, Purcell's gone now. Mm-hmm. I don't see Cassian being a top six guy for very long. Like, not that I see Maroon either, but he's that big body that you can put in front of the net, and that's what they need. Now, Ryan, let me ask you one, one more question, because obviously you follow the team extremely closely. Where are you as a fan in in terms of your evaluation of the general manager and the coach? Um, Because I think a lot of people are patient and respect the experience of Shirelli and McClellan, but I still get a lot of people saying last last place, so they're they're doing a bad job. Where are you at in determining the 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 work that these two gentlemen have done so far? Well, I still got faith that you know they're gonna. Eventually, down the line, they'll they'll bring it all together. And I think this year, the way it's sitting right now, we're we're going to get a top five pick, no matter what. And I'm going to say that we should trade that pick. You know, like a first a top five pick will go for a lot these days, especially one where Edmonton. You know, they're knowing our luck, we're going to win the lottery again. So <laughs> I just I think you trade that pick, and you know, you got McDavid. He's the building block. You got Eberle who's going to go hand-in-hand with McDavid. And I think Sekera and Nurse are great defensemen, and they'll stay. But I think, you know, you see all the good teams nowadays, they build from the back end, so mm-hmm. you got to build from the back end. Well, Clefbaum's going to be around, and Davidson's probably going to be around at least for the next couple of years. But they're, they're going to look for a couple guys. There's no doubt about that uh, on the blue line. Ryan, thanks for listening, and thanks for calling. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for taking my call. That is Ryan at 780-496-0063. Very uh, thorough evaluation 
of uh, what he thinks is going on with the Edmonton Oilers. Yakushev says, thanks for correcting me, Reed. I meant to say one of these two new players, not one of these two new defensemen. I think the new NHL website had me mesmerized. <laughs> what if the NHL website were, like, hypnotizing us, and while we're looking at it, we're, like, giving the NHL our credit card information or something like that? Well, yeah, like that. and then you take a look at the similarities because the CFL also unveiled a new website in around Great Cup time and that stuff. Why are these web developers going with white as a background? Like, well, you know, it I makes it just What's harder to, to see things. It just it's it's harder to aren't most backgrounds white like papers white. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like for or white. <laughs> yeah, get the Q sound in it. But I mean, like they had a good thing going with the site the way it was. Why did they change it? And the same thing with the CFL's website. It was a good thing the way it was. Why did it change? Sorry, buddy. Sometimes things change. I guess so. Just like how glaciers melt. Like, we can't run out and rent a movie anymore. We all got to go on Netflix and watch Fuller House. Do we? Have you seen Fuller House yet? I have not seen Fuller okay. House. And I don't, well, is it any good? Uh, I have not seen it. Is it the gonna, same cast, same actors? It's the same actors. The Olsen twins are not in it. They don't have what? an agreement. Yep, no Michelle. Oh, apparently there's two kids playing one kid. Yeah, yeah. So apparently there's a stab at that in one of the early episodes or something. I haven't but the seen same, it. But the character is back, played by a different actress. The critics uh, reviewed it, and they say the series is horrible. One of the worst that they've <laughs> ever seen on Netflix. <laughs> so put that out there. Uh, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I, I still got to watch Walking Dead from last night. Because obviously I had, had, the, uh, had the Oilers game. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Thanks to Ryan for jumping on the open line. Morley Scott and Chris Getzlaff ahead inside sports on Jet. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on six thirty Chet. NHL.com should rebrand as NHL.com. Worst site ever. If the website was a team, it would be in 31st place. Can't argue with that. 780-496-0063. Before we bring in Morley Scott, we have Aaron who wants to jump in on the open line. Aaron, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Uh, just calling in here for the first time, and I just, uh, in response to Ryan's call there, where you were asking as a fan how we thought of the... Uh, general management and coaching staff uh, yeah yeah I, I definitely have a lot of patience right now because I just I, I believe in their experience and, and what they're doing right now uh, I thought the moves that they made uh, before the deadline were, were were not emotional moves and just you know very smart and and uh, and then like Peter said before you, you'll do any big moves this summer and and I think yeah they'll just focus on the top you know the top two lines and build them from the back end and and just excited to see what ends up happening uh, this summer with that. But uh, you know, I am I am disappointed that they're in 30th again. But but uh, but yeah, like I said, I, I still have patience for sure. So let me ask you this from a devil's advocate point of view: What if if they changed all these guys and Shirelli changed quite a few players in the off season? Why are they still in the bottom three in the league? 
And I agree with most of what you said, but I'm just playing devil's advocate because I get asked that all the time. <laughs> yeah, like what, why are they still in the bottom of the league right now? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I, I I don't blame the coaching staff and management for that right now. I I I I think I'm assuming the main issue is the confidence with the players and uh, as um, uh, Coach McCollum has mentioned before, the spirit of the team. I think something's just you know with the last the way the last nine 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 years have gone. It's just uh, it's put a hinder on the team for sure, and it's something they got to battle through. Yeah, they look discouraged a lot on that homestand. And that's frustrating because then you see how they played the last three games, and I know they got outshot, and I know they they only got half the total points, but you see what they can do if they stay engaged. So it's frustrating Absolutely. when they're just giving points away like they did on that homestand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was extremely excited for that homestand when it started. I mean, I went to the game with the with the Winnipeg Jets there, and I mean, they had just beat Toronto there 5-1 so I thought okay here we go this is going to be a fantastic home run here but uh, so I was shocked it went the way it did but uh, again I guess I'm not putting any blame on the coaching staff or or them right now I just thought you know something's still wrong with the players confidence and they gotta they gotta still bond as a team and, and figure it out. Yeah, well I don't think the Jets are that good. They're having a disappointing year and look I know the Oilers are doing bad but I mean so are, so are other teams and the Jets in Calgary I mean, the, the Western Canadian teams aren't in very good shape right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know. It's, I don't know if we'll have any Canada team in the playoffs this year. It's, it's really too bad. Aaron, thanks for calling, man. I really appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Reed. That is Aaron, 780-496-0063. Uh, I'll get to some of your texts in a couple minutes here, but we got Eskimos play-by-play voice Morley Scott standing by on the line. Morley, TSN2 was showing the Grey Cup tonight. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I, I saw a tweet from uh, from Ryan King says, I think I'll sit down and watch TSN. I might get a beer, too. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it was three months ago today, right? Uh, November, December, January, February. Uh, oh, right, yeah. November in Winnipeg. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a nice anniversary watch. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that. That's probably why they were showing it. Oh, they also have five channels, so... <laughs> Yeah, something to do with it as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, that was uh, that was a fun one, and a lot has changed for the Eskimos since that day, including a new Canadian receiver, Chris Getzlaff, who was in town today. I know I had him on the show last week, but they kind of did his uh, formal uh, unveiling for the Edmonton media this afternoon. Yeah, he uh, signed a contract with the Eskimos on Thursday last week, or agreed to that contract, and uh, was in town today to get a look around and. I know he tweeted out a picture. I retweeted it as well. Him standing in his locker with his jersey there, the Eskimo jersey with his name on it and his familiar number 89 there. So, uh, yeah, I think he was just meeting with the coaches and just, uh, you know, just getting the lay of the land a little bit, seeing uh, the facilities at Commonwealth Stadium that the home team gets to use as opposed to the visiting team. And uh, he's very excited. I got the impression from him today that this is really going to uh, – rejuvenate him uh you know uh, new new town he's never played anywhere else in the cfl he had he played a couple of games in hamilton in his first year but didn't have any stats and uh, partway through that year got traded to regina he's a university of regina grad he's a regina native he played eight years for the riders and now he's coming to edmonton to play he hasn't been out of that regina comfort zone for a long long time and i think he's really excited about it and he's really uh, really taken the opportunity to let it energize him and today just said he's real excited about it and can't wait to get going. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of excitement there. He's looking to prove that the last couple of years are behind him. He's had some injury issues, hasn't put up the uh, 
uh, the the yards that he normally does. You know, he's a two-time thousand-yard receiver. He hasn't even got a thousand yards combined in the last two seasons. So he's anxious to get going again. I think. All right, Morley, give us a sense of the depth chart here because uh, I'm of the belief that when we start doing season preview shows in a few weeks that we might be talking about Darrell Walker as a candidate to win MOP for the entire league if he has the same uh, same pace of the numbers that he had this year. Uh, we know what a Darius Bowman can do. I mean, he's getting a little older, but he's still effective. What happens after that with Getzlaff in the picture, Kenny Stafford gone, uh, who's going to be the three, four, five receivers on this team? And again, I, I know we're a ways away from training camp, but certainly the team is thinking this way uh, going into training camp in a couple of months. Yeah, I think the one thing uh, that's going to have to be figured out first is is how many Canadians and how many Americans are going to go within their receiving core. Uh, you know, because uh, Canadian-wise, uh, you know, you mentioned first the Americans. Let's go with that. Uh, uh, you talked about Darrell Walker. You talked about a Darius Bowman. Kenny Stafford's gone. They've signed a couple of guys who have NFL experience, one of them being Jacoby Ford. They're going to get an opportunity, I think, to get that spot that Kenny Stafford had. They're also going to bring in some guys uh, to get another look at them and try and let them earn a job, much like Darrell Walker did last year with the team. Uh, and they're going to let the chips fall where they may for that extra American spot. Canadian spot now, uh, you got Corey Watson coming back. Uh, he signed a new deal. You got Nate Tuhorn who signed a new deal at the end of the year. You have uh, Devin Bailey, uh, who is still looking to, to get the opportunity to, to, to get the ball a little bit more and to play a little bit more. Uh, they signed uh, Nate Ajay from uh, the Toronto Argonauts, and now they brought in Chris Getzlaff. So it's, I think the battle really is going to be for the Canadian receiver spot. And uh, it, it, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, first off, are you going to play two? Are you going to play three? What's the situation going to be? And I, I think Chris Getzlaff obviously comes in uh, as a depth guy, but he's said all along he wants to be starter, and I don't think there's any doubt he can still be a starter. So it's going to be tough to find a way through because you've got Corey Watson, Nate Kuhorn, and now uh, Chris Getzlaff coming into the mix. So that's a pretty good group of uh, Canadian receivers. They've had to load up a little bit with the loss of, of Shaman Chambers going to the Saskatchewan Roughriders. Okay. Well, that's going to be an interesting position to watch for sure because it turned into such a strength for the Eskimos uh, as the season went on and, and Darrell Walker just became so so explosive. That was such an incredible find. And when you consider he didn't even play the first third of the I know. season. His, his numbers were amazing. When you, when you break it down to, to when you look at the games he played and the numbers he put up, uh, just an incredible year. And, and I know the Eskimos are hoping he can just keep that up. And, uh, and he was He's got good hands. I love his physical play. I love the way he fought for yards after he caught the ball. Uh, whether it be two or three yards or a lot more, he always was fighting for extra yardage after he caught the football. And that's what uh, I think that's what a lot of people fell in love with, the way he played. And, and he ended up, as the season went along, his catches became big catches. He really became a reliable guy in key situations. And along with the Darius Bowman, that's a great start on a receiving core right there. they got to figure out a way to – to replace Kenny Stafford and the touchdowns he scored, um, and they got to figure out a way to replace the versatility of, of Kendall Lawrence in that offense as well, who didn't put up great numbers last year, but the thing about Kendall Lawrence was he was always available to do what you needed him to do, right. uh, come in and, and you know play in that uh, you know receiver spot or play at the running back spot, plus returning kicks, too. We know about that. So that's going to be another spot where they got to replace somebody. Well, but they, you know, they got those two guys from uh, the NFL, so maybe... Uh... Uh, Ford and McKnight, maybe one of those and guys. More guys. And more guys to sign, too. They've yeah. probably got some contracts in the drawers that haven't announced yet, 
and they're still negotiating with guys, and they're still waiting for guys to run the gamut on their NFL opportunities, right? Uh, you know, NFL, uh, the off-season workouts are going to start pretty soon, and guys don't get invited to those, or if they get invited and get uh, sent home early, that's when I think they're going to start looking north for an opportunity to play in Canada. All right. Morley, thanks for making time for tonight. I know uh, you had a busy day as well because you had a big hand in our trade deadline coverage too. Uh, really well, appreciate not, it. Not as busy as you. I can't believe you're still on the radio, man. I, you, I hear you more than I hear the voices in my head these days. <laughs> I'm, I'm on almost as much as Halsey. Almost. If I could only get a rib restaurant to sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Morley. All right, Reed. Talk to you later. That is Morley Scott checking in tonight from the 630 Chet Sports Department play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos uh, right here on this very station. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I want to take a quick timeout. A few of you have texted in some interesting Oilers thoughts. I will get to as many of those uh, as possible. A final look at the scoreboard, too. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Getting some good text messages here. Hey, usually by this point, people are just a little... You know, they're a little sick of the show. They're like, Let, maybe if we don't text him, he'll go off air. <laughs> but I'll get some good text tonight. I'm going to get to a phone call right away. Darcy says, hey, Reed, the Oilers are last because of years of poor drafting and trades. They have no depth in their top nine as well. Their defense core is not developed. Uh, they don't really have a number one defense prospect. Brian says, "Don't you think the Oilers are the? Uh, don't you think injuries are the reason the Oilers had a bad season? Seems obvious to me. They lost their core for half the year. Yeah, Brian. I, I guess I just don't like to just be like, ah, oh, it's injuries. I, I mean, I, I, injuries always have an effect. Um, deep teams deal with them better, though. Maybe they won't play as well. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I, I just like to look beyond that." And Brian, look at the team's record with McDavid and without McDavid. There's there's virtually no difference. So it's it's deeper than the injuries. Uh, I think there's a, an f- effort level and and uh, you know speed and grit type thing that that factors in as well. Uh, Jay says I think part of the problem was the untouchables. When a set of players know they won't be moved, they aren't motivated to play every night. Now, thanks to Chia, everyone but McDavid should be playing for a job. I think that shows in the three games since Chia spoke. That's from Jay, and Sava is going to speak right now on the open line. Sava, welcome back to the show. How have you been, man? Pretty good, and yourself? Yeah, I've been doing well. Thanks for calling. Hey, yeah, no, uh, actually, one of your articles that you wrote uh, maybe two weeks ago inspired me to want to bring this topic to uh, to the air. Okay. Um, I was, anyway. So I have a re- theory why the Oilers forwards have underperformed to an extent. And it's uh, honestly, I think it's uh, the similar reason why uh, the All-Star game has sucked up until this uh, past year. Okay. Um, it's always been stated that the defense is poor, that the defense is poor, that the defense has been poor for X amount of years here in uh, Edmonton. Actually, I'm in San Diego now, but anyways, okay. in Edmonton. <laughs> and... Um, I think it just if it seeps into the players' brains, like, oh, it's not our fault that we're playing bad. We don't have to back check. It's the defensemen that have been playing poorly, and it can go similar along the lines. Oh, oh, the goaltender, the defense, the goaltender, the defense. It's always been blamed on them that you know that's why we're losing, and it's not because we're not back checking. We're not doing the little things to put in the extra effort. 
And I also think that that's why kind of the all-star game has sucked for the past 15 years up until last year, this year, because uh, mainstream media and just everyone say, oh, it's the all-star game. They don't have to put forth the effort. It sucks. I'm not going to watch it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, and, I say that all the I mean, time. <laughs> yeah, and well, that's why, I mean, when I was a kid, I remember seeing the Hoshik, uh, Owen Nolan, Hoshik goal type thing. And that game was very good. Hashik was putting forth the effort. He did not want a goal scored against them. However, the players that are playing now, they've been growing up hearing, oh, it's the All-Star game, it's crap. Oh, it's the All-Star game, it's not good. It's blah, 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 you know. So I'm thinking maybe it's not the, the only reason, but it, it could play a significant factor, the psychological factor of, oh, it's just the All-Star game, I don't have to put forth the effort. So I don't know, that's my theory, and I was – hoping to get your opinion on it. Okay, so you think that the, the, yeah. the forwards in Edmonton have kind of been let off the hook by the criticism of defense, and I think you're referring to my blog of two or three weeks ago where I said, yes, the defense is a weakness, but this team does not forecheck and does not score enough. Yes, uh, that is a, a, the exact article that I read. And I thought about that, but I mean, you know, I wanted to mention this earlier, but I, whatever I didn't want to call in for whatever reason, but I and I also think that's the exact same reason for the All Star Game is just the players have been off the hook of not having to put forth the effort to play a good All Star Game. Right now, three on three, it's they're the only players on the ice and they have to actually play now. So it was a good All Star Game this year, but yeah, I, I mean, I. Uh... I mean, I think the All-Star game just gradually started to decline, probably even in the late 80s, where players started to care yeah. a, a, a little less. I mean, I think what you're saying specifically about the Oilers, and a, a texter kind of brought it up you know, before I brought you on, too, that Hall, Nugent Hopkins, Everly have always been associated with being, well, unmovable. If they're going to win, it has to be with these guys, where Shirelli has come in with the attitude where it's just like, I didn't draft this guy. These guys, all I know is that the team keeps losing when they're in the lineup. And even if it's not their fault, I still might have to change out one of these guys. Um, I think the previous managers, not just Mac T, but managers were very stubborn that if we are going to succeed, it has to be with these guys, right? Like It's like yeah. a guy who can never get a date is convinced he has to marry the first woman who goes on two dates with him, even though it might not feel <laughs> that good, right? So right. Uh, I, I think that maybe they fell into that tra- trap a little bit. And, yeah, were they rewarded uh, by the team before they proved a lot? Yes. Were they regarded as heroes by the fans before they had really done a lot in the league? Yes, and I'm not, I'm not blaming fans for on-ice performance, but let's face it, Savit, Taylor Hall was... I mean, everybody calls everybody calls him Mick Savior. I can remember yeah. a lot of people out tra- treating Hall like he was a savior before he'd ever played a game in the league. So Yeah, he was Messier. Nuge was uh, a mini Gretzky. I know, yeah. and I've never said that. If you listen, I hate those '80s comparisons because it's it's totally it's totally different now. You raise an interesting yeah. point. I mean, I mean, we got. I think with Shirelli, we got to try and look ahead and not look back. It's it's really disappointing that they're 29th in points and 30th in points percentage. Uh, they'll probably finish ahead of Toronto at least by the end of the year, but that's a, that's a small consolation. Yeah. But what do you think of what Shirelli did today? Let's look ahead today in short term. I liked it. Honestly, it just 
bigger players, different players, and he even made a point to the, uh, I think, to the current players, like, hey, we're bringing in new people. This is not working. So, he, what was it, three new players in today? Yeah, yeah. and two for free yeah. off waivers. Yeah, so things are changing. Don't get too comfortable. I, I, I liked it. I mean, for what he did, I mean, for what he could do. I mean, it's not like it, it's the draft or, you know, um, uh, open market where you can pick up any player right now. You know, it's, he, he did what he could do. He didn't give up too much. Or I mean, he gave, got rid of, unfortunately, Schultz didn't work out. You know, sorry, you know, multiple factors with that one. Purcell, UFA. And uh, oh shoot, who was the player that we gave up for the um, for uh, I want to say Pat Falloon. It's not Pat Falloon, the guy from Anaheim. I'm oh, today we gave him. up Gurnat for Maroon. Gurnat, yeah. yeah, yeah. So not a big thing. And honestly, personally, I, I you didn't mention it, but like Cassian, God, I love that uh, that pickup. Yeah, and he's been getting better lately. I think even than when he first uh, came. Sav, I hate to do yeah. this to you, but I have to end the show. So you'll have to call again next time, okay? No worries. Thank you uh, for taking my call. Uh, always enjoy listening to you guys, and uh, have a good day. Appreciate it. That is Sava. Tammy texting in. She says, how many players do the Oilers have under contract? It is uh, back up to 49, and they have uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 UFAs, counting guys in the minors, uh, for this summer. Jerry says, Reed, I think management and players have finally figured out the identity of the team they want going forward. It's a word I heard from the coach. Scrappy, dog-on-a-bone type team. That way, if you keep saying uh, if the team gets it, they played like it for three games. Uh, all right, that's from... Sorry, Jerry, I'm running out of time to read your whole text. Thanks to our guests tonight, Morley Scott, Kelly Moore, Brett Pollock, Bob Stoffer, and Jason Strudwick. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. Inside Sports presented by AMA. Be listening tomorrow. Oilers and Sabres pregame at 4, puck drop at 5.30. AMA safety and savings for your family. The studio producer, Kellen Kennedy, the producer of the show, back at work today, Dave Campbell. My name is Reed Wilkins. Had a blast today. Talk to you tomorrow. Give me more.